everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cannabis Curious Podcast. This time, I sit down with Redbud Roots. Redbud Roots has kind of developed, honestly, organically, just like anything else would. Um, we really started with three partners out of uh, Chicago. So they were a group of dads who met at school, which is kind of cool. They all worked out together, became really good friends, and kind of started this investment group that invested in some groups out on the West Coast early on in cannabis uh, and really saw how they were running things and just didn't like that these people were selling medicine but were driving brand new Cadillacs and weren't paying their employees. I mean, so it was really kind of, there was obviously opportunity scene. I mean, I think as a business person, you have to look at that perspective always, but Mm -hmm. it was an opportunity to do something good and do it well and do it for the right reasons. So the Michigan market was really just opening up at that time, and it's one of the largest legal markets in the country um, in terms of cardholders. And then with the theory of recreational coming, that's a three million person market. So the market opportunity was there, the, the moral reasons were there, and from there we kind of put together the pieces that were needed. So uh, another partner is uh, our legal advice who founded the the Michigan business law for cannabis here in Michigan. He was the first, their group was the first that really looked into the legal side and how to help people start businesses and run them efficiently from a legal perspective. Interesting. So he was instrumental in like writing MMFLA and things? He he was instrumental in getting people to work within the MMFLA, I think. So really putting all the business pieces together for people that wanted to get in but don't know how to do it. And without a strong legal foundation, uh, no one can be successful long-term, I think. Yeah, um, very complex industry. So he, he was the one that brought me in. I had gone to the same individual and asked him, how do I do this, essentially, like a lot of people do. Um, and as we got to know each other, he introduced me to the rest of the partners. Um, they were in, in need of someone that could do the extraction and some of the more scientific backgrounds. So we all kind of got together, and it's just been a snowball uphill battle from there. Um, Things escalate quickly in cannabis. Things grow quickly, for lack of a better phrase. Um, So we came to Michigan because of its proximity to the the borders here. Here in Buchanan, you know, we're obviously very close to Illinois. We're right on kind of that corridor of 94. Um, So we were looking for the southwest corner of Michigan. The east coast is so flooded with people trying to do this that uh, I think that there was a huge opportunity in this quarter of the state. Um, and Buchanan was one of the first to pass re- legislation to allow people to come into here. Um, and from there, we really formed a partnership with Buchanan, uh, more so than we just needed somewhere to do this. Uh, we saw a city in need of really just some revitalization. Uh, industry was leaving the area, jobs were disappearing, um, and so were the people. So as we got to know the city and know the people here, um, it's really been a blessing for both of us. Um, the cities are kind of the unspoken hero in this story. Uh, we cannot do what we do without not only their help, but their blessing. So it's been critical to us to not just work in the city, but partner with the city and help provide for the people's needs here. Uh, so cannabis obviously helps a lot of people medically, but the, f- the financial benefits to cities like this and the, the help that we can provide was another huge influence and who we are today and how we got to this point. Um, We all come from different backgrounds, uh, be it a financial trader or I'm a a self-taught chemist and a business student by trade. So uh, 
it's really these different perspectives that all came together with the same vision for different reasons and formed a company that uh, spoke to all of our reason for being here. And we all had a story that was why cannabis either saved someone's life close to us or changed our own life for me personally. Um, and our goal was to take that same mentality and do it on the biggest stage we could here in Michigan. So how did cannabis kind of change your life personally? Um, <laughs> it's it's a pretty crazy story for me personally. I'd, I'd never really utilized cannabis, be it recreationally or medicinally, until it was kind of an option of last resort for me. Um, I, I came to cannabis as a patient first and foremost. I was diagnosed with a condition called cyclic vomiting syndrome, um, and that was caused by uh, numerous concussions playing lacrosse growing up. Um, so I had some brain trauma and nerve damage, um, and there's not a lot you can do for that. And what it would do is give me these multiple week-long cycles of nausea and vomiting, um, and truly uncontrollable. There was just nothing that anyone could do to stop them. So I ended up... How debilitating. It, it really was. I spent uh, about three months back and forward from the ER, and then vomiting would get under control for a day, and then I'd be back because I can't do anything to stop it at home. Uh, I lost about 60 pounds over the course of a summer, uh, just kind of wasting away. Um, at that point, I was a, a sophomore in college. I was playing lacrosse. I was, you know, active, healthy college kid. Um, and it really took that all away from me. And it, it damaged my family as well, because we couldn't leave the house without wondering, is Hunter going to get sick? Or can we go to dinner? Is someone going to have to stay home with him? So uh, for me, I watched my family their lives revolve around me. And I really had kind of given up hope as the doctors were telling me, you know, your only option is to take high dose opiates every day to kind of take away that response. Um, and my family and I decided that wasn't a viable option. And we were kind of prepared to uh, live not just my life, but our life without that hope. Um, but my mother actually suggested, you know, she asked me, have you ever thought about cannabis? <laughs> No, <laughs> never yeah, seen it before. How yeah, goes. You're like, um, never heard of it. Right? Mom, yeah. It? But um, the response was kind of, well, why not? Why not try it? What What do I have to lose at this point? Um, and we started utilizing uh, high THC cannabis extracts to control that nausea and vomiting. It would kind of shut me down, similar to the way opiates do, where uh, it let me sleep, it let my body kind of collect itself. Uh, and it stopped the nausea, which just was immediate. And I turned my life around. Within two weeks, I was nearly symptom-free. And I was looking at coaching lacrosse and getting back to my life. Um, but it, it also shifted my priorities uh, as a person and as a young you know, person trying to find their career. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, it gets a little, it's hard to think about it now that we are where we are. but. Uh, my goal became to learn as much as I possibly could about this plant and what it can do for for not just me and my family, but for the neighbor down the street, you know, for the cancer patients, for the elderly with arthritis. Um, and I, I took that knowledge and I took it to the people in my community. Uh, my grandmother's a great example, crippling rheumatoid arthritis, uh, but she adores gardening. It's her whole life. So um, I put together a cream for her that helped with the swelling, helped with the pain, and saw her get back in the garden that summer. So it was, it was little moments like that, watching it change someone's life and give that hope back to a family. Uh, one of my favorite stories was a, a stage four glioblastoma patient. So massive tumor right at the base of his brain. Um, he was given about 
three weeks when I met him. So we immediately started high dose capsules, about a thousand milligrams of cannabis a day. Uh, and within those three weeks, his tumor was shrinking. He was in remission within a couple months. Uh, he took his daughter to a daughter dead daughter dance that spring when he didn't think he would be there. So it's those personal stories that really still push me to not just be in cannabis, but to do it well and to do it for the right reasons. And my goal from day one was always just to give that hope back to one family. And I'm very, very grateful to be doing this with a company that's taking that to thousands, thousands of households every day. So uh, it's critical for me. And it's kind of what forms our product line. Um, and I think that your products represent who you are, uh, for me personally, as a person and as a company. So we, we take a lot of pride in that. We have a method for everyone to use cannabis no matter what they need it to do. So be it inedible, because you don't want to smoke at something necessarily um, if you need that instant help from a vaporized product, be it cartridges or concentrates. Uh, we really are developing something for everyone at various levels of THC. So we look at what do people need, how do they want to use it, and how do we do that as best we can. So. Uh, it really has proliferated into who we are as a company, uh, the employees we hire, the, the reason we're in Buchanan. It all kind of stems from this, not just a want, but a need to do this right and to help people. What are some of the things that you've done at Redbud Roots, I guess, to instill that kind of in your culture, this need to do things right? Honestly, um, our partners, the, the founders aren't just going to sit by on the sidelines and, you know, watch people work. Uh, from day one, we've been in there hanging lights when we're building out facilities. We're in there transferring plants and that energy of, you know, your CEO standing behind, behind you and beside you, moving plants as fast as he can to do the job well. Um, it's about top-down leadership, really, and being an example for the community, for your employees, um, working hard, showing up early, getting the job done, and doing it as best you can but it's also about learning and growing together in this unified front of a company because we can't do it without our janitor, we can't do it without our CEO. We all play a role here and I think everyone knows that at the end of the day, that they're important and that they matter to this company and this job. Or even when we took our tour today, right? You knew everyone's name. Yeah, and I mean, I know what they like to do. I take a lot of pride in learning about the people because the people are our biggest resource. No matter what anyone says, you know, having good strains is one thing, but having really exceptional people that want to show up and do this job every day. Uh, cannabis growing is not always fun. Uh, <laughs> I'll be the first one to tell you that. It's a lot of cleaning, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of long hours, but when you find people that are passionate and care and want this more than anything, those are the people that we hire and we keep and we take care of our employees as best we can. So You can feel the energy in there. You can feel that it has like a family energy and also I think that there's like an appreciation for what everyone's doing is unique, right? Like yeah. You're on the forefront of something very big, not just in Michigan, but the US globally. And How many, how many moments like this do you get, exactly. you know, where we're coming out of this, the wormwood of prohibition and now we're not only at the forefront economically, but of science even, and this is changing medicine in a lot of fundamental ways. So uh, 
it's I like to say that it's you know it's obviously a blessing to be in cannabis, but it's a responsibility at the end of the day, and uh, Redbud takes that to heart. Where, as someone that is fortunate enough to have these licenses and be producing cannabis, we have a responsibility to the end user, to to be better than anyone else. So, uh, every employee knows that and they take it to heart. You can feel it in there. Um. I appreciate that because you know we're in there every day and. But having people come in and see it and feel it, that's what matters. So yeah. we're grateful to have you here and glad you got a tour and see yeah. everything there. I mean, I'm not going to complain. It's right? <laughs> not every day you get to hang out with a bunch of cannabis plants and right? people. Oh, when you initially went to the lawyer, what were you thinking? Like, were you thinking, I'll get a caregiver license or I'll try for a grower license or I have no idea. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just interested. We, me and a, a buddy had been growing as caregivers and, you know, we were both a little bit tired of having to watch over our shoulder all the time and here's this shiny new MMFLA that looks really cool from the outside, but we had no idea, no idea what we were getting into. Um, uh, unfortunately, he, he went a different direction, and uh, you know, Redbud kind of took me under their wing, but it was really just a question. You know, I'd written up a business proposal and thought it looked good, and we wanted to see what happened, but um, no, we, we had no idea what we were in for, so uh, it was kind of an exploratory question, I guess, more than anything. How long ago was that meeting from today? That was November, November 2nd of 2017, I met with the partners of Redbud. So you now I've been doing this since about 2000, 2015 as a caregiver, mm-hmm. so a couple of years of experience just doing it all on my own. Um, yeah, that's my question. Were you all self-taught at that point? Absolutely. It was a lot of reading online and studying books and applying chemistry I'd learned in school. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I'm good at aggregating data, I suppose. So pulling from all these different experiences in my life kind of helped me to teach myself how to do it and then teach others now that I know how to do it well. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's been a journey more than anything. Oh, I bet. I bet. How has that caregiver experience translated into your role now? (laughs) Um, To be honest, very limited. you know, I kind of had the fundamentals of the science behind everything, and I knew how to grow a plant, but uh, when you do things on this level, everything changes. It's just an entirely different way of thinking. Um, so what I think the best way to say it is that it allowed me to have intelligent conversations with people that know how to do it better than I do. Um, and that's another big part of what we do, is we find people that are really, really good at what they do, and we give them the tools and the opportunity to do it better than anyone else and on a bigger scale. So for me in my role as director of production science, kind of, I've got my hands on a little bit of everything and that's been designing our facilities, uh, designing our products, um, coming up with SOPs, but I, I'll be the first to admit that I'm not the best at any of those things, but I'm good at talking to people about how to do them and kind of steering that ship a little bit. So well, you don't seem to be afraid of like experimenting or researching and learning. N- not at all. Um, I learn by failure more than anything. So I'm, I'm, I'm first to admit that I make a lot of mistakes and I do them gladly because I learned how not to do something more than anything. Um, and as a company, you know, we want to be on the forefront like we talked earlier. It's about coming up with new things and doing things different and doing them better. But you don't do that without cracking a few eggs and spilling some distillate here and there. So. <laughs> so what is your sort of process for kind of determining products or testing and experimenting with different strains? I leave all of the, the strain decisions to the people that are in there with the plants every day. You know, okay. you, you get to know those plants really well when you're in, see them every day. But for me, from a product perspective, um, there's certain 
foundational products in cannabis. You know, you've got pre-rolls and concentrates and vape pens. Um, so those we just kind of look at formulating a unique product in that market, um, blending it with live resins, using you know natural flavors from cannabis to make a vape pen. But from a true research and development perspective, it's about um, seeing a need for something that isn't currently there or seeing a product that is cool but really isn't perfect. Um, a, a good example of that is uh, some of the, the water-soluble technology we use. So when you take an edible, for example, uh, you know most people are used to waiting 90 minutes, an hour. They're always waiting for the edible to kick it. Um, and that leads to a lot of really bad experiences mm-hmm. for people, I think. Because right when you talk shit and you take more. Yeah, that's when you get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we wanted to do that and do it better. So what we did is uh, we worked with uh, pharmaceutical grade products that can take a non-water soluble compound and let your body use it from a water soluble manner. Uh, so it works more like Tylenol where you can take it and you feel the effects you know what it's doing and that lets a patient especially one without a lot of experience um, have a, a I guess a safe and positive experience with cannabis um, at a low dose and then they can figure out what works for them so I think that it in a broader sense research and development for us is about uh, building a better mousetrap and finding these tools for patients uh, that can have a positive impact in their life and are reliable, consistent, um, just doing things better and better and better as we go. Uh, and that technology lends itself to a lot of really cool things that uh, we'll be doing soon here in the future. So uh, very excited about that and proud of it. So. Okay. This is a nice little hint of something. Big yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is there anything you're surprised with the products that are out there? Are the products generally like kind of what you are seeing as a caregiver and you're and you're waiting for something a little different to to show up or I think we're really I think we're starting to see a shift where people have been doing this for a long time um, but now the market's getting more crowded there's more people doing these same things and doing them well frankly Um, so I think that over the next couple months years we're really gonna see people specialize and these companies really kind of dial in what they're really really good at and that's going to lead to a lot of uh, really exciting products that we're already seeing, you know, cannabis-infused mints and just all these different things that you never would have thought you could put weed in, to be honest. <laughs> um, so it's, it's about unique identifiers, and I think that what makes you special as a company is going to define the products you make. And uh, there's a lot of incredibly smart people in cannabis, and I think we'll see some really cool stuff coming, not just here in Michigan or just from Redbud, but uh, across the board uh, as an industry, we'll see things develop and change, and the market response is going to change as the demographic does as well. Yeah, that's a really fair point. Yeah. We don't even know exactly who sort of the main demographic is yet. I mean, we've seen, right, like we, I see a lot of news headlines about boomers like really being kind of the primary... Right, you know, the the deriving force necessarily, but what does their mom want, you know? Once grandma thinks that cannabis is cool, what's she going to need in her daily life to improve her life and, uh, you know, live a better one? So I think that, you know, seeing brands specialize in targeting these demographics as they develop uh, will be another thing that'll be cool to see. It will be. Do you think that innovation will primarily come in, like, the processing product piece? Absolutely. I mean... 
with all due respect, any you know, a lot of people can grow really, really good cannabis, but I think it takes those partnerships between incredible cultivators and talented scientists and product specialists that can take those basic building blocks, tear them apart, and put them back together in really cool and innovative ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely it takes a village to do even a good product, and, but let alone something special. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's about finding those partnerships and building relationships, and that's what is going to drive innovation more than anything. Mm-hmm. What do you think's made you guys good at finding folks that are sort of experts in what they're doing? And I think that, like we talked about earlier, that environment when you walk in where you anyone that comes to Redbud is going to feel like we've got their back, that they can make mistakes, that they can try new things, that we encourage that. Um, and I think that's really important for people that haven't felt that anywhere else. You know, it's not this crushing corporate structure that demands certain numbers. And it certainly is a numbers game, but that doesn't mean there's not room for passion there. Um, so I, I think that we attract a very unique kind of person to work with us and not just work, but stay with us. Mm -hmm. Um, We provide a lot of opportunity for growth and we're happy to take good care of the people that, you know, take care of us. So again, it's all about partnerships and relationships. And I think that's kind of how we will continue to grow and what gives us some sustainability from a corporate standpoint. I really couldn't agree more. I think people are your product regardless of what your product is. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, I can design the best product in the world and come up with something crazy, but if the person that's putting it into the packaging and labeling it doesn't feel that same love and respect for what cannabis is, they're not going to do it well, and that's not going to represent our company. So, uh, be it, you know, the person sitting there making sure the carts are clean before they go in the boxes or the person making distillate, it, it's a group effort and we all work together. So, mm-hmm. when you seem to have done a really good job scaling that culture as you've grown, because you said you had 100 employees. Yeah, I think we're, <laughs> we've gone from, you know, five of us to 100 in less than a year and a half, which is a little staggering to say out loud, but. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel that way because, I, you know, like you said, we still know everyone's name. I, you know, I know what their dog's name is half the time. So um, it's about that family atmosphere, and we're not willing to trade that for scale at any point. Did you have um, jobs prior to Red Bud Roots that, like, that, I guess, why was this so important to you, and how did this become so important to you to be, like, a, uh, a leader that knows your people and treats them well? Did you have an experience that was the opposite at some point? Um, or is it just like nothing crazy? It makes yeah, sense it's to you? I'm. I guess a lot of it's my upbringing. Um, my dad's kind of the same way, where he's he's a salesman, so it's all about relationships and how you treat people. And I think I've been ingrained with that from a very young age. Be it um, my schooling, being on sports, being a leader in academics and athletics. Um, I kind of had that foundation, um, but I I've kind of learned as I go as a leader here within business. Um, I trained in business management at school. My undergrad degree is a business admin. So I kind of knew all the puzzle pieces and where they went, but I, I had no idea what I was doing, honestly. And I, you know, we still don't, we're still figuring it out. So I, that's core to who I am, I think, is you treat people well. And uh, we see those benefits much more than when we don't treat people well and with respect, so. It's, I've had a lot of help from my partners who are you know, older, experienced in business and uh, exceptional leaders, and I'm very fortunate to have them 
teaching me as I go as a leader. That's it's interesting that it comes from your upbringing. I like that a lot, right? Because me personally, like I've worked at bad places, and so that's made me think like very critically yeah. about how to treat people. Right. And I've watched. I've been at huge high growth companies, and then watch it kind of tumble once it gets to like 150 people because the the culture is lost because it's not happening at the highest ranks. Right. They're expecting the people down below just to take whatever comes their way, yeah. do what they say, and then it does become inevitably sales-driven no matter what you're in. Um, and you're just, yeah. We, we don't exist without sales, you know. At the end of the day, we've got we've to bring revenue in, but we love what we do at the end of the day, and it's, it's all about top-down leadership and setting an example. So. How do you kind of maintain a balance between I've got this, I've got numbers to meet, I've got bills to pay, I've, right, I've got investors, yeah. and I'm committed to quality, producing good products, experimenting and testing and failing. With, How do you balance those two worlds? Uh, with difficulty, I would say. <laughs> um, we've kind of had to learn to slow down. You know, we're, we're incredibly aggressive as a company from a growth perspective. We've gone from uh, wanting one Class C license to now holding a, a great number of them. And uh, we've really kind of pulled on the reins a little bit, and we found what we're really good at and what we do really well. So, for instance, let's use pre-rolls as an example. We, we can't make them fast enough. There's no way. Um, we could very easily buy another machine, hire a bunch of people, uh, and just crank them out. But if we're not doing what we're already doing flawlessly, um, we're not willing to move forward. So it's about kind of checking yourself as a leader and making sure that what you're doing now is done well before you try and move to the next step. Mm -hmm. So uh, we certainly moved much faster than we should have at first perhaps, but now that we're in a position to really take a breath and focus, um, we're trying to refine the things we do so that we can grow and take our time to do it. So. Patience. Patience has been the lesson more than anything. That's I what think. I was going to say. Sounds like patience, which yep. is not easy to have all no, the time. No, certainly. And in this industry, I, I don't think it's easy to have because it's complex, it's ever-changing, and there's usually, usually have, you know, investors. And yeah. I would imagine there's, like, pressure to produce some kind of return quickly. Absolutely. Um, you know, you got to ignore some people at some point, right? So, uh, I think that's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, we'll get to you, I promise. Yeah, and, you know, it's about communication, too, though, and talking to those people that got you here and letting them know why you're not taking that next step. And I think that once you really, be it your employees or, the you know, the investors, it's all about just communicating mm -hmm. and being honest and open about, you know, we lost a ton of money our first year, maybe, but now that we're moving forward, here's what we're doing to change that, and here's how we're going to adapt and grow and, mm -hmm. you know, making them feel like a partner and not just a resource. So relationships, again, it keeps coming around, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. I like it. I think it's true, though. So how do you see kind of perceptions maybe evolving and education evolving in this industry? I think education is exactly the right word. I mean, as people kind of have a reason to believe in cannabis, be it a personal story. I think that even over the last couple of years, more people have been willing to try it because they've seen the scientific research. They've had anecdotal evidence from, you know, their neighbor down the street being open about it when, you know, maybe that guy's smoked outside for years and years and years and you never knew. But now people are talking about it. And I think that's been the driving force behind perception is, uh, just people sharing 
how they feel about cannabis. And you're never going to change everyone's mind. There's always going to be that, you know, hopefully small class of people that just cannabis isn't for them. Um, and I, I personally believe that cannabis is not for everybody. Not everyone wants it and needs it. You know, it might be able to help everyone, but, you know, if you don't make that choice, that's your decision. But the people that need it should have access to quality medicine at an affordable price, no matter what their neighbor's opinion is. And I think that that acceptance of cannabis in the culture, uh, it's been slow, but you know now we've got the momentum and it's gonna be really hard to stop from here on out. So uh, it's cool, it's been cool to see, you know? I never thought I'd talk to my grandma about using cannabis and here we are, so <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. The same, I say that a lot to people. It's like a, it's like a pretty consistent conversation now in my household and with yeah. my family. And... You see it on the news and it's, it's a positive thing. It's not some drug bust you saw and here's what they got out of it. It's here's this new company that's coming to our community and they're going to bring this many jobs and, or here's this new study that shows cannabis can help with Alzheimer's and people, everyone knows someone that it can help. Mm -hmm. And that kind of opens the door to even just considering it. And I, that's all I ever ask is just listen uh, and hear the stories and talk to people. Uh, and have an open mind because it's not all just sitting around smoking joints i promise (laughs) yeah and i mean it really does show like how damaging um propaganda campaigns can be like you know in theory i guess we all knew that but watching like prohibition right was a good hundred year certain it was more than just propaganda there's a lot more to it um in terms of like arresting you know black and brown people at much higher rates than white people um but that definitely ingrained a lot of ideas into people's brains. And even myself being a cannabis user at times, I will feel awkward walking into places yeah. or being open about it. Or Driving home like with it, you're still own. a little worried about yes. your side view mirrors. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I still um, have to like check my own like sense of shame or embarrassment. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a great point is it's, it's been ingrained. And that doesn't change overnight and no, we shouldn't expect it to you shouldn't expect everyone you have a conversation with to be like wow that's really cool i never thought of it that way um but being an example and you know being open and just talking i think that's the only thing we can do to try and counteract those decades of counterculture really um don't hide it don't be afraid and have a conversation about it so mm-hmm. what's the worst that can happen yeah Nothing worse than what's already happening, right? Like allowing people to kind of have their perceptions in their head unchecked is... Never ends well, right? Right, so. right. And like you're saying, just having a conversation and sometimes probably just being like a business owner that uses cannabis or you know, like not fitting the stereotype is challenging enough for people to see and be like, oh, that's not what I thought. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, I, I've seen that personally coming into city hall meetings and you know, we've got the lady down the street that is fuming mad when she walks in, but that's the one I want to go talk to afterwards. Mm-hmm. And be like, so tell me why you feel this way. What are your problems and how can we address them as a company? And I think that's what's gotten us in the door in a lot of the cities we work in is that person matters because they're going to tell everyone they know why you shouldn't be here. But if you take the time to talk to them as a human and as a resource, uh, you don't have to change their mind, but they'll remember that you came and talked to them and that you cared enough to hear why her cats don't like the smell of weed. I mean, things like that are critical. And that's kind of comes back to the foundation of Redbud is we're, 
we are very blessed and fortunate to have these licenses and we have a responsibility to the communities we're a part of to care about everyone and to make a difference wherever we can and sometimes that is just talking to someone at the end of a meeting um, or bringing in the city hall members to come see our facility look at what we're doing and then tell us how you feel about it so uh, honesty transparency and really just caring about the individual I think is how that works best. We talked a little bit about this, this that the, the kind of cultivation and processing processes are very different sure. in a licensed facility yeah. versus caregiving. Yep. Could you talk a little more about that? Oh, I think that scale is the biggest thing. I mean, growing 72 plants in your basement by yourself is hard. That's a lot of work. Um, but you do everything from start to finish. You know, you do it all on your own. Um, and it, it consumed my life, to be honest. It was a full-time job. I was still in school, so it, it really, there was no f such thing as free time. But when, when you take it to the next level, and now we've got 6,000 plants in one of our buildings, you need a lot of really good people to do that job. And it's about specializing again. So we've got a whole division of our company just dedicated to quality control. They're sitting there counting. They're checking every pre-roll. They're looking through all of it because if you don't have all of these pieces put in place, it all crumbles. So whether it's our, our director of extraction that's making sure that all of the cannabis coming in is extracted well and properly, letting him focus just on doing that job and doing it really, really, really well every day. Um, it's building blocks. All these different pieces come together, um, but you can't do it without all of them. So uh, as easy as it is to do it on your own and know what you're doing, uh, to do it at this level requires a, a lot, a lot of different parts I never considered. So, you know, with processing, it's making sure that every step of that process is done well and is considered and thought of, uh, which changes every day, certainly. But yeah, with, with cultivation, it's making sure we have enough people here to get the job done effectively and in a timely manner. So transplanting, 488 plants for a single room is a lot that's a lot of dirt moved around so uh, you know we make it fun we have music we we treat our employees to dinners and lunches when they're doing really well feed them food's the quickest way to their hearts so um yeah it's it's really analyzing on a micro level the different components of any any given function of the business and looking at every piece of that as a whole pie so do the state licensing requirements make the cultivation or processing process more difficult? Or may I um, ask how do they impact those processes? You know, there's certainly a lot of hoops to jump through, and we're, we're kind of limited in some ways because if a product isn't explicitly mentioned in the laws, we can't really make it. So infused beverages are a great example. Um, we can't do anything that has a certain amount of water in it. So it's about working with the state and talking to people about the laws and regulations. And they don't know any better than anyone else, honestly. And they've been, they have a really tough job. Mm -hmm. How do they, as lawmakers, make rules and regulations for something they have no clue about? These are government employees. They probably don't smoke a lot. <laughs> um, so uh, again, it's relationships, you know, building partnerships with the agent that comes and checks on us. Uh, talking to the people that write the laws and just kind of telling them this is why we think this could be done in a different way or maybe they're 
the chemicals they allow to use don't really make sense based from an agricultural standpoint. So we're all learning as we go in this industry from legal to the people in production to the patient that's buying things. So uh, remembering that and accepting the hoops you have to jump through is, is important. So it certainly does. We, we have to do a lot. You know, tracking every gram of product is not easy at this level. Um, but again, we do it gladly. And we're happy to jump through those hoops to be able to do what we do. So. Well, your perspective is kind of like all that matters. And because like your perspective is just really nice, right? Yeah. So you feel <laughs> grateful to have the license. So you're, it's like, I'm, I'm glad to be compliant. Yeah. To do this. I'll make metric tags all day long, right. please. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> because we can't do what we do without following the rules. Yeah. So that's yeah. not, not the gray market anymore where you can kind of get away with things. This has to be done uh, without error because uh, yeah. it can cost you everything really. And not just the partners, but the people that are working for us have sacrificed a lot just to be here. I mean, some people are driving six hours to work three or four days during the week because they want to be here. Wow. And that's that's pretty crazy for me because, you know, I moved across the state. I moved three hours. I left my family at home to come be here. Um, I, I just hired someone in the lab that he's got a pregnant wife at home, and he's uprooting his entire life to come be a part of what we do. So, you know, those, those kinds of stories check your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Right. So. And instant humility. Absolutely. You can't lead without some humble pie every now and then, I think. Not effectively anyways. (laughs) Not long-term. It might not be sustainable. So do you see any kind of like barriers right now to, 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 I guess other, um, uh, no, let's not go there quite yet. We'll, we'll wait in a second. Um, do you want to get more into like the cannabis product piece? Like, cause I have this question here. How do you see cannabis products evolving either medically or recreationally? And I don't even know if there would be a difference there. Like if that's worth getting into or if we, yeah, I, I absolutely see a difference, especially right now there might not be, you know, Yeah. but in the future, I think that it's going to kind of come to people like Chelsea, our brand, our marketing director. We we have to differentiate. We have to create an identity as a business on this is medically focused. And that does not by any means mean that there isn't medicinal value to recreational products. Um, I think that not all use is recreational, but all use is medicinal. You know, all of it has medicinal value. Um but when we create a brand and a product that can look nice on a supermarket shelf, you know, next to all the other medications you're taking, that's when cannabis really is mainstream and allows you to treat it as medicine first and foremost. And when you look at it from that perspective, uh, the products will absolutely specialize. I think that press tablets, you know, uh, topical creams for eczema, Things that are really targeting specific conditions and delivery methods, that's kind of where the medicinal market's going to go, uh, as well as creating options. You know, Different CBD and THC levels are going to do drastically different things for a patient. So you know, maybe one tablet has really high CBD with a couple other cannabinoids, or one's a lot of THC and designed to help people sleep. I mean, it's, it's going to develop as the science does. And as we understand cannabinoids and terpenes and minor, major and minor cannabinoids, there's so many puzzle pieces we don't even know yet. Mm-hmm. So as we 
learn more about the plant and what it can do, I think you'll see that specialization between medicinal and recreational uh, really grow more and more. Do you kind of keep up on a ton of research? Like, how do you stay ahead of, like, this cannabinoid? Is it everything that's coming out? I I make sure to take a lot of time to just be aware, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and to read and look at things. And uh, I... I maintain friendships and relationships with people that are a lot smarter than I am. So talking to them about, well, what are you doing? What are you working on? You know, how can we partner on some of that? Um, it's, it's really a small industry, if I'm honest. There's a lot of people that work in this, but there's not, excuse me, not very many leaders in the industry. So those people find each other. Um, our partners at the testing facilities, you know, they see everything. So talking to them about what do you think is really cool? What's coming out soon? You know, it's it's having open conversations with people that you would call your competitors. I mean, how do you how do you find that? In the- <laughs> uh, a friend of a friend of a friend. Sometimes you know, sometimes at events, um, like how we met you, for instance. Yeah. You know, you kind of bump into these people that uh, you either click or you don't. Um, yeah. And if you got the vibe, then are people more open and receptive? I would just yeah, imagine there's it really probably is. a little bit of secrecy. Or some people maybe feel a sense of secrecy yeah. about what they're doing and they don't want to share. Uh, Even uh, if that's not helping us with the end goal. Yeah. Like benefiting patients. I think at first we're all a little reserved. We don't want to give away all of our yeah. secret sauce quite right away. But um, you build trust. And this market is so expansive and so untapped that, you know, me and the grower down the street could both be putting out thousands of pounds and we're still going to both be doing just fine at the end of the year you know so it's not we're competing against ourselves it's not about you know secrets and trademarks and patents and while the industry may shift in that direction um it's important to remember where we came from you know and cannabis wouldn't be here without community and being in this together so uh we take a lot of pride in that you know, we'll we'll have a meet with anybody. We'll sit and talk. What's the worst that happens? You know, maybe we don't walk away friends, but you find those people that you want to go have a meal or a beer with afterwards, and you just talk about what you're doing and sharing and being honest and open. Uh, that's going to lead to the coolest things in the future. So I come from like a consulting, like corporate background, and yeah. like things on vibes and feelings and intuition is like not right. You don't no, have those discussions, right? No, no it's not how it flow. Be like, who? What are they the leader of? What kind of money do they have? Like, what kind of decisions? Show me the resume. Yeah. Yeah. And so this industry is so refreshing because that is kind is kind of more on like gut instinct and intuition and absolutely how you feel and um, I don't know. It's it's. It's kind of weird. It really it is. is, you know, and from a business perspective, especially that's, that's not normally how a boardroom meeting is ran based on vibes. So, um, <laughs> what's the vibe the yeah, thing? yeah. But like, no, what's the bottom line? Right. Um, <laughs> and it's about both. And, you know, you asked about what makes us special earlier. And I think that's, that's it. It's, we, we put, wear both hats and we do it, look good doing it, I guess. So yeah, you guys do, you do. Absolutely. I sat down with your Sarah Jane and like they couldn't have said enough good things about you, Sarah Tupper, right? Like couldn't yeah. have said enough good things. And it was all that, like the vi- the like just the vibes, the feeling. This, there was like a simpatico feeling right. when you guys were together. And that was enough to then go and move forward, right? Yeah. 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 So I thought that was awesome. So what do you what do you see as like the future of legal cannabis in Michigan? I think that we'll see things uh simplify as much as they get more complicated i think that uh you know 
at the end of the day, there's always going to be room for big and small business, but we'll see the big business kind of whittle down to a smaller group. I think we'll see licensees uh, kind of run out of gas, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. And uh, uh, corporate cannabis is always knocking at the door. So uh, as those people come into the industry, uh, people like Redbud are going to be extremely important because we can't lose who we are. Uh, so in one way that complicates things now that we've got billion dollar corporations kind of looking down from above but um, I think that our focus needs to be on who we are so things get more simple at that point too um, the regulations change the the ability to just do business becomes more simple um, and as you figure out who you are as a company uh, it becomes more clear what your next step is um, I think the market's only growing. Uh, as states next door start to legalize, I think we'll see a huge shift in not just Michigan, but countrywide. Um, and doors are only opening at this point. They're not closing for anyone. So uh, I look forward to seeing these micro grows come in and the mom and pops that, you know, they've grown excellent weed outdoors for years. And we'll give them a chance, give them a license, let them see what they can do. And we'll be there every step of the way to support people like that because there's plenty of seats at this table. Um, so I'm excited to see where it goes, you know? We, know. we don't know what we're doing tomorrow, let alone in a couple of years. So let's see what happens and uh, do it as a community. And I think that's where the simplicity comes. I'm most excited about those micro-business licenses as well. Yeah. I can't wait to see. Uh, and I would love to see the big guys partnering with people like that. Me that, too. I mean, we can't do it alone, and no one can. So why not? Bring them on board and let I them know. sit down and pitch to you exactly so uh, me too me too i feel like there could be a very strong bridge built there and and the people that would benefit are the consumers and the patients absolutely at the end of the day that's all that matters mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i think it'll be interesting to see how cannabis evolves because it will be like a true test of how consumers drive a market that's right? that's a great point yeah because i think consumers are going to be determining what products they want what brands they like um and then that's going to drive i think who is sustainable and who's here in five ten fifteen years um branding consumer, such a good and point cannabis consumers are very sophisticated in the They're way not, they really are yeah some of them are i would say I, I don't know there's a section of them that have been consuming cannabis for a long time and have been waiting for this moment right and now they can go explore and, and they've I think had, they're going to be very discerning well, they've had really good weed for a long exactly. time so you better do it right you know and uh <laughs> those people don't allow for any errors if your pre-roll isn't exactly one gram and burn perfect well you probably shouldn't be making them so um and they're they're very vocal again it comes back to being a community where i mean how many messages do we get on social media of uh, either compliments or problems but uh, we look at all of them so it's it's one person's opinion is something to take note of a couple people's opinions on the same problem that's when you need to make changes. Because if three people are telling you, there's 300 more that are having the same experience. Mm -hmm. So again, it comes back to individuals and focusing on little things that we maybe aren't doing as well as we thought. But you know, Joe in Ann Arbor is gonna let us know for sure that that cart wasn't exactly a gram. So uh, it is consumer driven and our product decisions are consumer driven. Um, and it's gonna shape the industry. Uh, and I think it already is. So 
it's kind of cool. How, what other, you know, the cereal company isn't going to listen to you when you have a cool idea about a product. So, um, yeah, it's fun to talk to the people that actually use the products and positive or negative. I like to, you know, talk to anyone that has the chance to try Redbud stuff. So that's a lot of fun. I'm sure that's got to be unique too. Like, do you ever see like Redbud out in like public and you're not expecting it or you yeah. hear someone talk about it and they I, don't know who you are? And I was, I was in Chicago just for a weekend to, you know, kind of unwind and walking down the street, here comes a guy in a Redbud hat. I'm like, we aren't even selling here. Why do you have that? And cool. it was really cool. I mean, it's very special for me as someone that's been here from day one to like feel this momentum behind us that. I have no idea who that guy is or who he was, I, but it was pretty cool. He's wearing my company's hat on it. So, How far into the process before you started to feel that momentum? I think now that we're kind of getting out of the weeds a little bit, this is kind of the first time I've had time to lift my head up from the daily grind. So, In two years? Yeah, two, yeah. Two and a half years? About that, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's but, a pretty decent amount of time to have your head right, down. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's how we got where we are, and now we got to look to where we're going. So um, it's really special to f- see how many PCs we're selling to. And as we've grown, so has our, I kind of, we've seen kind of a following developer. People are coming into PCs and asking for our stuff. And that's pretty cool. I mean, oh yeah. Well, how well else can you ask for? Oh yeah. So I mean, I like I said, I can see that on social media that the PCs are advertising when your stuff is there. Like they're yeah, excited; they right. want folks to know. And then you see people repost, like just went into North Coast or Amazing Buds or whatever. And yeah. Like and so there definitely is. You have an audience. You have attention. You have some loyalty, right? Like, right. To your brand, which. And it, it's funny from like a processor standpoint because I remember every single product that they did, and I know that batch, and like a lot of the times wow. they're ones that I wasn't like. Maybe I wasn't super thrilled with that resin, but they're telling me how good it was and how much they liked it. And like, I I hated that terpene profile, but I'm really glad you like it. And that's cool. It, it kind of gives you focus from a product perspective because it doesn't really matter what I like. You know, I, I love garlic terpenes. Most people are quite offended by them. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's about listening and everyone's opinion matters because everyone can buy our stuff now in a lot of places so that's cool did you know how important that listening would be at the beginning or is that something you kind of learned along the way definitely learned along the way i mean i i'm not a social media person so um yeah. marketing director's Chelsea. laughing over there at me um, she's like that is why yeah. i got you right uh no, not at all, honestly, because I worked with maybe five patients. Right. I knew exactly what they liked, and I can grow that for them, but I have no idea what 500,000 people like, and no one can, so it develops as we go, and creating pathways for them to have conversations with you, excuse mm-hmm. me, um, those avenues for their opinion to matter have really grown over time, too, and, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all these different social medias, Everyone has a voice, and it can be heard everywhere. So, you know, whether it's the SoundCloud rapper that's shouting out Redbud Roots on his story or the PC that's letting us know that they just had a flower drop and people love it, mm-hmm. or the people that have an issue with the product. I can't understate how important it is to me to hear those problems because we can find problems in production, but we don't know how the end user's experience is until they tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's another pretty unique thing about cannabis, I think. 
is that everyone's experience is so different with any given product. And That's the truth. Yeah, I mean, a gummy doesn't do for you what it's going to do for me necessarily. And everyone's body reacts differently to cannabinoids and different profiles. So uh, finding a middle ground is really tough, I think, yeah. at the end of the day. Something that works for everyone doesn't really exist in cannabis, I don't think. You almost kind of need something that's tailored to you, or at least to kind of figure out what the products are that work right for you. And Absolutely. then. And I'm sure our product line is going to develop over time based on the, how we find that middle ground and what sells well and what people come back to buy again. Because mm -hmm. you know, selling it once is easy. Getting that patient to come back every week for a pack of gummies, that's, that's really hard. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to do is create experiences that you can count on and products that are reliable and consistent um, where you know what you're getting every time you get one. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, all that matters is the quality of the product. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's fun. I like our, our customers, even the angry ones. <laughs> all feedback is good feedback. It is, yeah. You learn something every day. So. What are some of the barriers, maybe, from keeping the Michigan cannabis economy growing? I think that the rate of growth is going to be an obstacle because we cannot, there is no way to currently supply the demand of the market. So everyone's trying as best they can to fill that gap. And I think that that's a huge barrier. Uh, as we talked about earlier, you can definitely grow more quickly than you should. So right now the market's trying so hard to make this push to the adult use market that um, I think it's going to cause a lot of companies to lose at the end of the day. Uh, maybe they're not putting the money where it should go or investing in the people as much as they are new equipment. Um, so that loss of identity, that um, struggle to maintain who you are as a company is a barrier. Um, I, I really feel pretty strongly that the regulations aren't so much uh, an iron curtain to phrase it, but it's just another hoop to jump through. So that, that part will change and grow. Um, as a whole, the scaling of the ancillary businesses is tough too. Um, how do I get all the packaging I need to grow 100,000 pounds of and put it out to the market? How do I get all of that tested in a reasonable amount of time? Um, all these little things that need to happen for a plant that's in a clone box to get out to the market at the end of the day, um, all of those people have to grow with us and they need to develop the pathways and have the time to put the resources into their business or we can't do our job. So uh, it's the scaling and growth of the industry, not just the businesses, that's gonna be the most difficult, I think, hopefully. <laughs> no, it does. I've never really thought about it that way, but you do kind of need everyone like to beef up at the same time. Absolutely. Um, you know, m the metric, the state tracking, they gotta hire people all the time just to keep an eye on it. The state's hiring people as fast as they can just to go look at these license applications. I mean, we've seen such an evolution from having the review board kind of fade away and now having it be a little bit different process. I mean, it's being light on your feet as an industry is much more difficult than being light on your feet as a business and being able to make those adjustments. So um, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's all an obstacle, to be honest. There's endless barriers, but mm -hmm. I think we get through them as a industry as a whole, mm -hmm. one step at a time, so. And you talked a little bit about just the towns being kind of key, like uh, sort of unsung absolutely. hero. And so, and, and I, and we see a lot in the news about who's opting in or opting out or maybe 
you know, I, there was a lot with Grand Rapids last week that I thought was really fascinating, right? Like we're putting a moratorium. We're not. We're not even going to consider recreation. All kidding. Yeah. We're going to continue to review applications. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we've been there a lot this last couple. Oh, weeks, I bet so. you have. That's actually fair because that's a. I mean, it's like an anchoring city to the west side of the yeah. state to Detroit. So they. And they have such a great craft beer scene, right? It makes sense. Oh, the culture of the city in general is just such this cool vibe that, you know, maybe it's a great fit for cannabis, but if if the city doesn't feel ready, then you can't push them to, mm-hmm. to do that. So mm-hmm. um, what we've been fortunate is that we're a great example in Buchanan. You know, we've been able to win the support of the city and the people through a lot of a lot of lunches, a lot of meetings, a lot of taking the time to work with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the events that we help with around here, you know, sponsoring things and giving money to the motocross rider that wants to go ride at Redbud, you know, things like that. It's it's the little things you do that change your perspective in the community. So whether it's hiring local trades to come in and do the work, those guys go and tell their buddies at the union hey, those Redbud guys took really good care of me. Or, you know, the the single mom that comes and works in our packaging department, if she is excited and, you know, willing to talk about the company, that creates a movement. That's that's what's your driving force and your perspective in the company, or not in the company, in the, the community. So it's all about the individual. Um, and that's as true for the mayor of a city as it is the security guard in the parking lot at City Hall. It's everyone and treating them all well and with respect and gratitude. I think that's the only way this industry moves forward is, you know, gratitude at the end of the day. As we talked about earlier, I mean, we're so fortunate to be where we are. Um, this is, a, I think, a generational opportunity in a lot of ways. Um, so... Why not take the time? Get to know that guy that's holding the door for you. Talk to your competitor. Talk to the person that doesn't want you there. Um, what else can we do? And that time matters. So, I just think it's a very cool insight. It's like it's just listening to you talk. Like all of that comes from valuing relationships. Like being able to be patient and like pause. Right, gives you the chance to get to know people and care about them. Right. So it's like all these things kind of. I don't know, are coming together in, like, this perfect storm for Redbud. Like, in some of your, like, just base values and qualities in really, like, wonderful ways. And it certainly did not start that way. I'll be perfectly honest. Like, my my hobby is racing cars, so patience is not a factor there at (laughs) all. Um, So, I think, yeah, right? And we want to be quick. We want to be able to move fast. But more than anything, I want to be doing this with Redbud in 20 years. So, uh focusing on sustainability and perception of the company um, and who we are, you know. It's one thing to know who yourself, who you are as a person, but who you are to the guy that's working next to you, who you are to the people at the grow down the street. Um, that's what forms a company's identity. So, uh, you know, that translates everywhere you go, and you can't take that hat off at any point. So as an owner, that's one of the more difficult things is you, you don't turn it off. You never switch this off. It's, it has to be a part of who you are and your identity because you can't fake that. Anybody can fake it for 20 minutes in front of a city hall, but to show up every single day, uh, literally every day, and 
be that leader, be that person um, to my neighbor, to my parents, my siblings, my employees. It's a challenge, but it's become something that I take pride in. Um, and I like who cannabis has made me. I like the person that I am now because of my experiences with Redbutt. And it's, I've grown a lot, um, not just as a leader, but as a human and a person. So it's another, another perspective that you really kind of have to take a step back and appreciate and be grateful for. How so. have you managed to keep that kind of perspective? Um, my partners, honestly. Uh, the five of us do a really good job of <laughs> checking each other. You know, if I'm sitting there with my head down, rubbing my temples, stressed out, uh, <laughs> I think the secret to Red Butt's success is foosball. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, but walk away, you know, take some time. Don't let the difficulties and the obstacles and the roadblocks that we see every day take away how special this is. And, you know, we're growing weed for a living <laughs> and we're doing it legally. Yeah. That's like, really cool. Yeah. You know, <laughs> not much. Yeah. So it's, it's about having each other's backs and being there to support each other. Um, our priorities are to each other as friends and individuals and the company comes second because if you're not okay as a person and happy, you know, you're not a good leader. And you're not a good employee either. So that translates. It's another way that we take it from the top down as we hold everyone accountable, not just for the work they're doing, but for their happiness. Um, and I think that's critical. So one day at a time, one problem at a time. How does the leadership team work together then? It's all about uh, aggregating data. You know, we don't just make these decisions from the top down and expect them to be followed. It's about talking to the people that this is going to impact. How do you think we should do this? You know, we're looking at automating some of our packaging, but what are you going to struggle with as the person that's going to be putting the carts in there? Um, what are the challenges you're going to face? Um, you know, maybe we want to grow a certain way, but our growers don't really like the way we're growing. So, well, let's let them design the facility. Let them have input on where the locker rooms are, how this is going to work. It's, it's open communication and honesty about where we are and where we're going. So I don't know if we we make the decisions, but I don't think that it's really our decision to make at the end of the day. Everybody's involved. Absolutely. And it's tough. It takes a lot more time, but it comes back to that patience. Like, we could easily just mandate and dictate from above, but that doesn't work, and it won't ever work. So. Mm -hmm. And everyone's ideas matter, honestly. It's it's really cool to see people come to me like, well, have you thought about this? I'm like, well, I have, but here's why I don't think it'll work. And then they have some cool idea that that's awesome. Let's try it. And, you know, it doesn't work the first couple times, but we figure it out. And we do that as a management team and as a company, we make those decisions. So uh, it's kind of cool. It's fun to hear what people think. Uh, across the company it's very cool i think i, I mean i don't i don't know I, it's not that i've sat down with every single licensee in this state right but i think what you guys are doing is rare i think it's really easy to be focused on the bottom line yeah. to be focused on speed over quality right. 
right? And then to get really caught up in trying to just make a return on investment for the guys who, you know, invested in you. Um, you're just taking a very different approach. Not that those things are important or they're not part of the business, they're not part of how you're making decisions, but it's just not the primary motivator. I think that we isolate our employees from those. You know, as a management team and as owners, we're we're responsible for answering those questions. Yeah. And what I need the grower to go do is grow the plant and do it damn well. And maybe he feels like he needs to use more expensive dirt. That that kind of sucks, but okay, if that's what you need, we'll do it. And you know, it's our job to answer those questions. It's not the employee's job mm-hmm. to feel that pressure. Mm-hmm. So, I think that we kind of wrap our arms around them and take some hits for him from that perspective so that's a good leader i hope so (laughs) that is a good leader that's what you do you like insulate those people from that stress and then give them what they need to be successful right and still hold them accountable and right it's not like you never have difficult conversations or like you're saying make mistakes um and we do it from each other you know as partners i don't i don't need to know everything about it i need to be able to go and lead the production um so we kind of to take our pathway so we keep communication lines open but we've all got a job and we all have to do it so uh, it's important to kind of specialize again like we said and just do your job well oh yeah um so for people who are considering entering this industry what would you tell them what would your advice be oh go for it man try it yeah what i mean even if it doesn't work you're gonna learn something along the way and maybe don't start out shooting for licenses if you haven't grown before you know find people that are doing it and then bring your ideas to them and that's not to say that there's not space for new people to come in but find people that can help you and people that suit your goals because no one can do this alone Uh, i promise promise you that that's the only thing i can guarantee is that you will never be successful in this industry by yourself so uh you know build a team find like-minded people people that you disagree with all the time, but you think might be good for you. I mean, it's it's all about the team. So yeah, give it a shot. Hell yeah. I would love to see some other products out there. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. It is a once in generational opportunity, like you're saying. So there was a time for any of us to take leaps of faith. I think it's new. Yeah, leave that corporate job. Give it a shot. Yeah, you know? <laughs> Get out of that cubicle. Right? So what can people expect from Redbud Roots in the future? I think that Redbud is really kind of on the verge of coming out with some incredible, not just products, but partnerships. I think that you can really look to see us um, shifting a focus towards research and development. Um, We're working through a lot of uh, details legally on some really cool science that we're working on uh, with some incredible partners um, that we're not quite ready to to discuss in full yet, but um, I think you'll see us kind of evolving into more of a front runner um, and more of a leader in ways that people don't expect, I guess. So um, we only get better every day. Um, So new products, new strains, um, more availability. uh, It's just, it's a changing, changing beast every day. Um, So uh, we'll be looking for what to expect from Redbud just as much as the consumers, <laughs> I think. Um, but yeah, definitely a shift towards changing everyone's life, not just 
these small communities, but looking at it from a much bigger perspective now that we're coming up a little bit and can look at where we want to be. So Very yeah, I'm, I'm excited too. There's some cool things that we're trying to do. So it'll be fun. I'm very excited. And if people wanted to find you guys, I guess online in stores. Yeah. Um, redbudroots.com. We maintain a, a pretty accurate list of, uh, where you can find our products, uh, call your local provisioning centers and ask them if they have our stuff. And if they don't ask them why would be my first step. Um, yeah, redbudroots.com will be a great resource for the average patient that just wants to know a little bit more, be it about our products or anything. Chelsea, yeah. you can probably speak a lot more on this than I Facebook can. Facebook and Instagram, redbudroots, uh, redbudroots Michigan yep. on Instagram, redbudroots on uh, Facebook. Oh, Chelsea might re- not like me saying this, but feel free to reach out on those pathways as well because uh, she sees them and so do we, and uh, we're always, always happy to communicate with the patients. Awesome. So. I love it. One last question. What does Redbud Roots mean? So, yeah, Buchanan, Michigan is the Redbud city. Um, So it was kind of an homage back to the city that started us and the city that gave us this chance. So, um, yeah, yeah. So a little play on words with Buchanan, Michigan there. And uh, our roots are here in the Redbud city. Yeah. Like what a way to um, encapsulate your values in in your business name. Right. I think it does kind of tie it all together in a neat little bow and... uh, I'm glad I asked that question. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, I want to thank you for your time, especially because, you know, we don't really get this opportunity often to kind of just sit and tell our story or talk about where we're going. And, uh, you know, we're very grateful to have you here today. And, again, it was a lot of fun. So I'm glad, I'm glad you had fun. I'm, I mean, thank you. Like, yeah. anyone that will, is willing to sit down with me, take the time. I mean, you spent damn near two and a half hours with me today. Yeah. So I just appreciate it. Showing well, me the facility. Hopefully we'll get you back out here for a follow-up sometime yeah. and talk about some new products when I can. Hey. So there we go. I'm always available. <laughs> there we go. I like it. <laughs>